Welcome to the Purposeful Planning Podcast, where you'll gain tangible, practical suggestions to help you transform and elevate your practice. Our content is for both seasoned professionals working with complex family systems and those just entering the field. These podcasts will also be valuable for family leaders who are dedicated to helping individual family members find their pathway to flourishing lives and strengthening the relational fabric of the family. Welcome and thank you for joining us. And now your host. Welcome to the Purposeful Planning Institute podcast. My name is Thomasina Williams. My work is all about leadership development for enterprising families. I help families develop more connected and capable leaders who are engaged stewards of both their financial and their non-financial resources so they can build legacies of transgenerational success. I'm really excited to be hosting today's episode. Uh, I've been a member of the PPI board since January 2020 and have been a guest on the podcast, but this is my first time to actually host. And I'm super excited to have you all join us for today's episode and our special guest, who is Sonia Wiseapple. Sonia is the founder and CEO of Seriatum. Seriatum is a professional organizing and inventory management firm. Boy, could I use her services. Uh, As a professional uh, organizer and move manager, Sonia and her team help bring harmony to your home, your business, and your life. Welcome to the podcast, Sonia. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to be here and to share your first day hosting. hosting. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. I'm really excited uh, to have this conversation with you. When people think about distributing their assets, more often than not, they focus on the big things. You know, we've got to deal with the business and the stock and the jewelry and maybe the art and the cars, things that have significant uh, financial value. And while the house is probably a part of that, or homes, should I say, for many people. Uh, What we don't oftentimes think about as much are the contents of the home, of the apartment, or the multiple homes and multiple apartments. We tend to overlook uh, those smaller things that may have significant financial value, but they oftentimes have more emotional value than they do financial value. And then of course, there's the tons and tons of paper that somehow we've managed to acquire, even though lots of folks are trying to do everything electronically these days. I was excited to have this conversation with you, Sonia, because as I mentioned to you uh, in our prep session, I'm blessed to say that my mom, who is 90 years old, she'll be 91 in a couple of months, is uh, still with us on this side of the veil. And she's in great health. She drives. She takes care of herself. She's also a classic fashionista. She has always been more into fashion and clothing and dressing than I have. I mean, she had and and she's very um, she's like the senior woman in her church. So she has all these what I call church lady hats. I mean, I could literally open a small used retail clothing store just out of her closet. The hats, 
the purses, the shoes, the shawls, the this, the that. And she loves collecting things. I've been trying to get her to downsize for years, but she still insists on living in the four bedroom, two and a half bath house that I grew up in. And she's got collections of ceramic clowns. She uh, has music boxes. She's got all kinds of stuff and she keeps buying stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so, that's why I was so excited to connect with you because at some point, my brothers and I are going to have to deal with all this stuff. And I, I just, I don't know where even to start. So I'd love it if you could start off by sharing with us and our audience what our founder, John A. Warnick, uh, describes as your purposeful professional odyssey. How is it that you came to, for the last 25 years, be a professional organizer uh, and manager of, of all kinds of personal things that people have acquired. How did you come into providing this kind of a service for people? First of all, amazing story. And what a blessing for you and your siblings to have. Yes. We are so uh, family is how I came into this uh, business. I have I was blessed with a um, with my mom and her siblings. She has two sisters and a brother, and I'm an only child. Mm. And my mom's two sisters have no children, so I'm the collective only child of three mothers. Not <laughs> good. Um, that's like a three headed monster at some time, but it, but with the best intentions. But my mom's oldest sister was a professional architect interior designer. Mm. And she did very high-end homes and hotels around the country. And my mom ran her office doing all of the logistics and the coordination. And that was my after school. And I literally grew up from preschool until middle school in that office weekends and evenings learning, listening, going on odd job sites. Their mm. other sister is a geriatric nurse. And so when I wasn't with them, I was <laughs> with her. And that meant going to and from lots of people's homes, because in the old days, the doctor would come to you and you would go and they would do, she would do their blood work and check the refrigerator and make sure that there was ample food and the lights working and all those little bits. And I would sit on the sofa and look around at the clown collections or <laughs> random things that people had in their home. And so ever since I was a little girl, I visited a lot of people's homes or was in very fancy homes or in very pretty hotels, but both as a guest and behind the scenes in all mm. of those circumstances. And so when my father was job transferred in the 80s from San Francisco to New York, we moved and unfortunately he got terminally ill and passed soon after. But that mm. experience of being job transferred, having grown up with geriatric health, growing up with the interior design, brought me to a place where I, I just thought everyone knew how to do that. That was my naivete of people 
everyone knows how to organize and take care of people's <laughs> stuff. And then you start to realize people will say little comments of, I'm really overwhelmed. I don't know how to do this. I don't know. I, I'm, I have too much or I have to move or, and then my mom joined Corcoran group when we came to New York and my father had passed and Barbara Corcoran had just started the Corcoran group. And there were about 20 brokers at that time. So my mom. And for our listening audience, Barbara Corcoran is a top real estate agent who started Corcoran group and has gone on to sell Corcoran to, and is now appears on Shark Tank and does all sorts of interesting things. But she's a friend and and person that I grew, I had the uh, luxury of kind of getting to know as an entrepreneur. And to me, strong women and business owners was just kind of a norm. And so I took all of that and created a company because I, I struggled with writing a resume and I avoided a hundred percent getting a job. And instead I created a company. And so here we are all these years later. And good for you, that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, you mentioned overwhelm because candidly, that's a lot of what I feel when I go and look at my mom's closet and her <laughs> coin collections and, and her clown collections and the antique clocks and the this and the that. It's like, oh my God, what are we going to do with all of this stuff? And so talk to us a little bit about how you approach helping people deal with the overwhelm. I loved um, earlier when we were prepping you, you said that one of the ways that you like to do that is to help people think about it as really a treasure hunt. I thought, what a fantastic reframe from overwhelmed to let's see what kind of goodies we can find here. Talk to us a little bit about your process and how you help people sort of reframe their mindset even about what the undertaking is. It is no joke, very overwhelming. Let, you know, God forbid you're, you're faced with the loss of a loved one. You're reeling. You're, you're having a lot of emotions good and bad, perhaps, that are coming up. And then you've got to perform. You've got to take care of things. And it's not always the best time for people to deal. But the way we deal with overwhelm is we come in and I would suggest even for family members getting together, trying to take apart a loved one's home and, and stop the overwhelm feeling, is you start in a corner you start in a corner and you start to match like items. So if you have two lamps in the room, unplug them and put them next to each other. If mm. you have 10 pillows on each chair, group them and make a stack of pillows. The same with the, the clocks and the vases. And the if you open a closet and you look in the closet, there's often plastic wrap from the dry cleaning and, and hangers with nothing on it. All that is trash and you start to gather up, you take away the trash and you start to gather like items. So that would in the closet, that would be putting all the pants together, putting all the dresses together, putting all the sweaters together. Some people live with all that together and then you can, you lean into one more step and mm. that's the treasure hunt. Then it becomes the, okay, 
even if someone's living and you just want to start the downsizing process, which of course is ideal in the purposeful (laughs) planning community, we advocate actually planning for these things. And that means perhaps doing these treasure hunts, looking in the closet, looking in the places that uh, there are collections and saying to yourself, okay, if I had to move all of this tomorrow, are there any things here that I must take? Or are Mm. there anything here that I really don't care about? And if you start to reframe that, you don't think about, am I going to sell it? Am I going to donate it? Is it recyclable? Does someone else want it? Forget that. Just do I love it? Do I care about it? Does my brother love it? Does my sister, who met, what our family member, deal with all of that first, start tagging or making lists, and then everything else becomes up for grabs. Okay. But, and that leads to people often make decisions based on money. You mentioned it as you opened in a way. They make decisions based on the big ticket items. <laughs> but when the dust settles and that person is downsized or the estate is cleared up, it's not the big ticket items that you pine for. It's the, mm, I'm really missing looking at that little trinket that was always on mom's desk. I didn't think I cared about it, but in hindsight, I'm missing that paperweight. Or mm-hmm. because there are, those are the treasures. Those are the little things that talk to you and remind you. Like my mom took a cutting board, a boring wooden cutting board that doesn't even lay flat on the surface of the kitchen counter. But it's her favorite cutting board because <laughs> it was her great aunt's cutting board. I'm like, mom, every time you go to cut something, the board wiggles on the counter. She goes, it's Aunt Sills. I loved her. I love my cutting board. And if if I was looking at the series of cutting boards, that would be on the chopping block, literally to get rid of kind of thing. And it's not necessary, but it's because it doesn't mean the same thing to me, but she'll keep it because that's a treasure to her for multiple reasons. And not knowing the value of things, there are two values, financial and emotional, which you alluded to earlier. Yes, absolutely. And being clear about the distinction between those things of what is emotional value of emotional value that has memories associated with it, perhaps, or the particular person maybe who have who uh, gifted it to you and then thinking about the financial uh, things. So as I think about your process, then um, uh, your exploration I guess, is the first phase where you're going through and you're sorting out what's there and trying to create some sort of an inventory for it. It's one thing to be clear about what is emotionally important to you. How do you address the issue of the financial value and where does getting appraisals come into the process? I'm so glad you brought up appraisals. This is one of those um, 101, like if you leave with one nugget from this podcast, having appraisals that are within three to five years, call it four for consistency sake, you have to have that. If you do not have appraisals 
that are within that four year range, and they're, let's say, two decades old, you might as well not have an appraisal. The only thing you have are a description. You don't actually have what the value is. So appraisals are a must, and that is a planning tool. The mm -hmm. Appraisers Association of America has appraisers all over the country. Typically, you start with a generalist. What, how we work with appraisers is appraisers want to walk into a home typically and have had the things that people are concerned about out. They, they don't always want to be rummaging through the backs of closets or putting mm -hmm. together the silver sets. You're paying them sometimes very significant money per hour. We're not insignificant, but we're often half of what an appraiser is per hour. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to use that labor to prepare for them, let them come through, do their thorough job and walk out. And maybe they find something. Setting the baseline with proper appraisals is the best way to start planning. But what we normally do, appraisers are gonna come in and for tax purposes, often we'll say, we're only gonna look at things that are above $500 an item or a thousand or 5,000, depending on the structure of the estate. But that leaves a lot of things that mm -hmm. the appraiser is supposed to be blind to in, in, in an estate scenario. So if you are purposefully planning in advance, you are going to look at the whole and you're going to figure out the true value because maybe your client is not properly insured. Mm. Maybe they, if you don't look at the whole down to everything that's worth a hundred dollars and above, you may find out that uh, your insurance is only covering a million dollars, but you actually have $3 million worth of property. And given the weather calamities we've had and, and um, issues in these last years and that we're all over the country, um, things happen. And right. you want to make sure that you are covered, purposefully planned for those type of scenarios and be calm. Because it's a form right. of just protecting what's there. Right, right. Absolutely. So for those of us who are going to be purposeful in our planning, but have not done appraisals yet, we haven't really done anything, but being prompted by listening to you on this podcast are going to take some action. Share with our audience what the full suite of your services are. Could I call you and ask you to find the appraisal for my mom's clown collection? Uh, or do I need to have certain things in place before I reach out to you? I think that what Sari Autumn brings to the, to the table is unique. There are many professional organizers and senior move managers across the country, and both NAPO and NASM are great resources for this community to know. I'm, Can you share with us what those acronyms are, NAPO and NASM? N-A-P-O, and then that's the National Association of Professional Organizers, and then okay. NASM, N-A-S-S-M, so National Association okay. of Senior Move Managers. And 
both of those communities offer amazing resources for people who care. What sets Seriatim apart from a lot of the other companies is that we have worked with the trusted advisors to become not only an organizer and a logistical manager, but also someone who really cares about the inventory and putting values to it to plan. And that unique process is you can hire an organizer to get everything out and sort it, and then an inventory company to come in and inventory. And then you would bring the appraisers in when you have every when you know what's actually there. But Seriatim can do all of all that. Things. You can go in and kind of sort, get everything organized, then inventory it, and also help me identify an appraiser an to appraiser? do the actual appraisal. Yes. And tie those appraisals back to your original inventory. Mm-hmm. And then in that process, which perhaps not in your mom's case, but in most people's scenarios, when you do that review of what you own, you often realize, mm, I have too many of those. I, you know, I have 20 black pairs of pants. I'll five is a good or that that skirt doesn't fit or that hat has a little dent and I'm not interested in that one anymore or the colors Mm -hmm. are off and you start to want to let them go but you don't want to put it in the rubbish and if you don't have a friend or family member to give it to then you're left asking is it valuable enough to sell and then there are a myriad of ways to do that and then or are you donating it and if you're donating it you have to put a value to it So Mm -hmm. you need to kind of know it goes back to that. And in the unfortunate circumstance of an estate, an unplanned estate (laughs) there with no values and no appraisals, people delay dealing with the estate often because they can't make a decision of whether or not to keep the lamp or the sofa. Right because they don't actually know what the values of them are. And they say, well, if it's worth this, maybe I should keep it. And it's a numbers game. How much mm-hmm. will it cost you to move it, store it, place it, and and insure it yourself? Is it worth it? Or should you just let it go and then put that value in your deduction? But you have to know the right value to deduct. Exactly, exactly. So it does sound like it's a lot more complicated than one might think uh, off the, the top of off the top of your head. So I'm curious, you provide this service for people who are simply maybe moving across the country or people who are moving to a different home, they're downsizing perhaps, as well as providing this service in the context of winding up estates. So is it fair to say then that your clients are both professionals like members of the Purposeful Planning Institute, as well as families who would be the clients of our members? Very fair, very fair. And, and, and this service is actually for all of us. I believe mm-hmm. that everyone should know what they own, baseline. Mm-hmm. And then your loved ones should know what they own. Because if you know what you own 
and you put values to it, you may say, I don't have a lot. But that doesn't mean in the God forbid that you come home and, and like in Maui, you have no home at the end of the day kind of thing that you have you have work to do to make a claim. It would be the same if someone, God forbid, dropped, you know, had a heart attack and wasn't didn't come home. Their estate would need to be solved. You want to preemptively manage that. And often mm -hmm. people have wishes of who they want things to go to. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't figure that out in advance, that's very hard to implement for those who are left to implement. So, so can I go back to the services? Because I, I neglected oh, please. that question. So um, on-site prep is going through. So there, let me back up. There's relocation management, paper management, clutter control, and inventory. Those are our four main buckets of services. Okay. Within relocation, there's on-site prep going through every closet and drawer and sorting it out. There's um, all the coordination that happens behind the scenes. Then there's the supervising of the movers. Mm -hmm. And then often there's the receiving of the goods somewhere else and the unpacking. So if you've mm -hmm. gone from big home into small, you mm -hmm. need some, it's it's not like, see ya, and you're left with 500 boxes and you're trying to figure out what to do. It's your 500 boxes disappear and then you're in your new life. So, so you that, help to keep it organized once it gets to the new place. Yes, and or get also it organized and keep it getting organized. Getting it organized and making decisions based on where you're going. So mm -hmm. we often visit the new site if possible, or look at floor plans or FaceTime someone who's there to figure out, okay, that dresser that you had in this, uh, this space will actually fit in that new space. And we can use it this way. Um, so that's relocation. Paper and clutter are people who are staying put, but living with a lot of overwhelm mm -hmm. with their objects or their two-dimensional objects, their photos and their documents. And as you alluded to, most people have are thinking of going digital, mm -hmm. but they don't go digital completely. They print a lot of things or there's a redundancy. Yes. Um, we get hired by many companies to come in and kind of sort through their files and, and create kind of archives of files for passing off when second generation or multiple generation business is succeeding to the next um, person, because there's always a lot of mess in, there's a lot, of, when there's a lot of change, regardless of whether or not it's personal or professional, there's mm -hmm. always chaos around that. Mm -hmm. And that chaos shows up in paper and tangible items. And then the forced chaos comes up when they have to move. <laughs> you know? And you have to take it all with you in some way, shape or form. So that's why we do that myriad of suites uh, of services. And the inventory for us is a unique selling proposition. 
because Ah. that is our, first of all, I'm dyslexic. And the only way I could manage my team for myself was for them to take pictures of everything that was there. Because if I wasn't there, but I saw it, I could manage it with a client. And so I developed a process in our services that helped me manage as a business owner, despite what I felt was my disability. And when I went through the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program, which is actually how you and I met through a girlfriend that I met through that program, mm-hmm. she, uh, they taught me that that service is actually of value and should come out of being something we just do as our standard operating procedure, but we should also sell that. And in the last five years, we've put it out as a service and it has brought us business with trust departments of the banks, with law firms, with the family offices, with the insurance companies and a myriad of attorney type professions who need our, need to know what the client owns in order to do their job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that is fascinating. Uh, you're doing the inventory, as you say, because that's where the estate planners and the valuation people need to know what they even need to be looking at. Um, that's very interesting. I had not thought about even with generational transitions in a business the senior person maybe who founded that business 30 years ago, they have accumulated lots of things, paper as well as trophies and who knows what else. So you actually provide a service for businesses in that regard as well. It's not only limited to personal homes. No, no, no. Because a lot of a lot of the homes we work in are the size of a small business. Mm -hmm, They mm -hmm. have staff or they have a lot of movement with people and things. They're they're a mini little pot of of life, a community. And when um, you enter into the professional world, it's really the same. It's a CEO and a suite of people around it. And then the the ripples of, of the of the organization. And we've done, I'm not talking um, going and working at IBM. I'm I'm talking family run, multi-generational privately held companies because Mm -hmm. they, they are the same feeling as small or as homes, not necessarily small, but homes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, we, call them enterprises, lots of moving parts to this one ecosystem. Yes, I call them um, complex lives. (laughs) You know, that would fit. Yeah, because it's, and they're not all the same. Some Mm -hmm. are the Warren Buffett type who don't want to put their wealth into fine art necessarily. And there are others whose wealth was the acquisition of old art and they own museum wings. And then there's others who put their money into their clothing and their handbags Mm -hmm. and their shoes and 
others um, who just buy real estate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you cover the waterfront, whatever they need when it involves uh, dealing with the personal assets, whether they are simply relocating to a different home or maybe even buying a new home, whether they are downsizing, uh, whether there is an estate that needs to be wound up or a business that's going through a generational transition. Exactly, because when the business is doing a succession or a merger and acquisition, it's like a retirement downsize. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When, when the family says, I want to move closer to the grandkids, that means we're selling our home, we're deacquisitioning a bunch of items, and we've got to logistically get somewhere else. And we surely don't know how to begin. We don't know what vendors to pull in. We don't know who to trust. We don't know what the timeline should be. Some people come to, I mean, I just answered the phone um, Monday for someone who says, I need to, my mom passed away and I've got a 12 room apartment that's been sold and um, I need to have it empty by September 1st. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah. You know, that's really not purposely planned. You know, that's not a good scenario. And um, that's not ideal, that level of um, of anxiety and stress. It's doable, mm -hmm. but it's not fun for anyone. Right, right. And it doesn't need to be that way. And if perchance, uh, whether people want to be more proactive, or they have not been proactive. Let's say that you are based in New York, but let's say the person who needs the services is in Utah. What is the geographic scope of where you work with clients, whether they be family members directly or professional advisors to families? We work across the country and I have a staff of about 20 and uh, a handful of them travel. Okay. So what happens is our intake through the website, through the contact us, seriatum.net, there's a contact us, people put in, I have a project or I need something. We then have a conversation. We do a lot of things by phone or by mm -hmm. Zoom. We want to touch them and understand what it is that they really need, touch the scenario that they're talking about, because there's a lot of nuances of it. And then some projects we don't take. So we whittle out whether or not we're a good fit. And if we're not a good fit, we try to get them to the better fit that's mm -hmm. for them. But if it's a perfect fit, we will FaceTime and look at the project, give them a price, walk through the timeline and the budget, and then we will dispatch crew and show up and have the vendors all lined up. We do that with a lot of work with the banks. Often the trust departments of banks call us in because when they have an estate to clear out, they're in some of the oddest places in the, in the country. And you need to line up the, the, the vendors. Might mm -hmm. be shredder, might be a dumpster, it might be a donation might be an appraiser. There's a, a scroll of things. Um, and then people can ask from for us from this community, we have a checklist and we're happy to share kind of a move checklist. And um, 
you, you have to get all that lined up if you're going to go out of town. And if you're going to arrive on a plane or a train or however you get there on a certain day and try to be most cost effective and efficient to be there, you want it all lined up, not figuring it out as you're there. I mean, you have to do some audibles, but uh, for the most part, you want it planned. Okay, great. So anyone listening to this podcast is someone who is potentially uh, a client that you have, you can help. It's not determined by just the geographic location. That's true. Thank you. So now with the exploration piece, sort of figuring out, you know, sorting things, uh, it's one phase, then you've got the inventory to see what's there. You've got the appraisals, figuring out what you're going to give to loved ones, donate, recycle, sell, throw away. Uh, you handle the vendor management. All of that seems like a lot of work. And uh, if people uh, are like my mom, they probably have a heck of a lot more stuff than they realize. Is there kind of a standard range of how much time and engagement takes for you to come in and do all of those pieces top to bottom? Standard depends on the volume. So yes and no. Um, but if we looked at some, if I had to I don't want to pick on your mom because um go but, right ahead. I I I pick <laughs> on her, please. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not putting her in her grave. Don't do that, you know. But um, but a project like that is probably three months beginning to end. Three months, okay. You know, okay. and um uh, and and some projects come to us and like the 12 room apartment, uh there's no, we only have two weeks. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, it's a full team in multiple people and do it as fast as has to be done and then step away. So you can do it in a short amount of time, but the cost is going to be the same. So if you need a hundred man days, or woman days, you need 100 labor days, whether or not you're jamming it into three months, or you're jamming it into mm. two weeks. That that's how we're thinking of it as labor in that in that um, pie. But some of the variables, appraisals can't be pulled out. You cannot ask an appraiser to come in on Monday and spit out an appraisal on Friday. That's a many week process. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you're going to have to make alternative plans, like put things in storage while they get appraised in the, in a lot of circumstances where the estate has not been able to be um, resolved, but the real estate transaction has to happen, meaning they need the cash to sell the, liquidate the apartment to pay for the taxes and other pieces, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they have to get the stuff out in order to make that possible. So then everything needs to be inventoried, pulled out, stored, sit, wait for the probate to come through, and then they can distribute. But you're touching it twice, and that's more expensive. But some people, but the 
the value of making the property sell was more valuable. Right. So, you know, they you three months is great. Six is better. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and projects with a tremendous amount of paper. And by tremendous, I mean over 100 banker boxes. Some some estates have 600 plus boxes or small businesses have a lot of paper. When you get into that volume of paper, you should be over the six month, six to nine month kind of zone. Okay. So obviously the uh, scope of the project dictates the time frame, but you can do things as quickly as packing up and getting rid of a, a 12, 12 room apartment full of stuff. And then being more purposeful and intentional and taking the time, the longer leads you have three to six months, the better. And also the more cost effective it is mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to not have to pay vendors twice, to not have to pay rush fees, to not have to incur extra to make choices and to scope the right solutions because you could vet versus you have to run to the finish. That's, um, that's the planning aspect that that's why I'm in love with this community. (laughs) I'm like, yes, plan. Anyone you guys can touch to get them to plan, please. Well, we thank you for sharing this time with us. And I'm sure there are lots of people who are going to be excited to know about your services. If you want to um, give us a couple of closing remarks and then end with your website address so that people know exactly how to get in touch with you. I'm just so grateful to share and to have like-minded people. And I hope to creatively collaborate with this community in the future. And I thank you for taking the time for the structure. And I can be found at seriatum.net. And seriatum means in a series. And most people, it's a series of steps to get from chaos to order. And Mm. so um, our logo shows that chaos feeling all the way to kind of order. And our how you spell seriatum is S-E-R-I-A-T-I-M dot net, seriatum dot net. Well, thank you very much. We are so grateful to have had you here. Uh, Sonia Weisapple, the founder and CEO of Seriatum, professional managers and uh, a professional organizers, rather, and inventory managers. Thank you again for joining us, Sonia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many blessings to you and mom. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed today's program. And if you are a member of the Purposeful Planning Institute, I want to invite you to come post in the community forum and share your key takeaways from today's conversation. And if you're not a member yet, here's your invitation to join us and be part of our community and access the network resources, and tools you need to transform your client relationships and your practice. And don't forget to use promo code PURPOSEFUL to receive a 10% discount on a membership. Learn more at PurposefulPlanningInstitute.com.